All right, so, uh, so yesterday, we, um, so we're using these two noon hours to do something that's a, maybe a little more historically connected to revival as opposed to the, the preaching that we've been doing. And so yesterday, we did a, a really a very, very brief overview of Edward's life and, um, and then looked at his uh, view of revival and world missions and talked about is um, really two contributions that he made that has impacted world missions even to this day. And one, of course, was the writing of David Brainerd's uh, diary or biography. And then the other was uh, writing his humble attempt, which started a seven-year course of pastors in the colonies and in Scotland gathering the first Tuesday of every month and praying for the advancement of Christ's kingdom throughout the world. And they would have said among the heathen, but the advancement of the gospel among the nations. All right. So there's another, there's another aspect. Of course, uh, Edwards is known in some ways as being a revivalist, which is an unfortunate term because a revivalist makes it sound like you go and conduct revivals. And that's not what Edwards believed, nor is that what Edwards did. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into um, a work by Jonathan Edwards on uh, religious affections. And I'll talk about this, um, this edition in just a second. But what JT has very graciously done for us is he has brought up for us, now I know it's going to be a little hard to read, but he's brought up for us the Jonathan Edwards Center at Yale University. And the, of course, I don't think anybody can read um, the uh, web address, but it's edwards.yale.edu. All right? Edwards.yale.edu. That's right, right, JT? Okay, so, so this, is, this is the page that we'll take you to, all right? And um, if you can go, yeah, hit research. So you go to research, and you can search manuscripts. You can search um, the works of Jonathan Edwards online. That's WJE, that's what that is. You can browse J, uh, WJE online, you can look up, uh, so over the years, over the entirety of his life, he wrote miscellanies, and they were short uh, reflections on everything from the Trinity to God's decree. I mean, it goes on and on. There are literally thousands of miscellanies, and they're absolutely fascinating. JT, can you go to the sermon index real quick? So if you notice in the sermon index, you have canonical or chronological. So if you're going to start reading Edwards, I actually suggest starting with his sermons. But if you go to canonical, you can look up, oh, so what did Edwards preach on the gospel of John? Or what did Edwards preach on uh, Ezekiel? And then, so, so there it is, right? And so you've got the, just the books of the Bible. And if Edwards preached from that book, it will be there, okay? The other way is to actually do a chronological search, and that is going to group um, Edwards' sermons by uh, periods of time. Now, the reason that they do that is because you can see that you have some very early, well, maybe you can't see, but you have some very early um, uh, periods in his, in his uh, sermons. But let's say you're interested in looking at, well, what did he preach during the Great Awakening? You can actually go to the section that is 1740, 40, 41, 42. So you can look up, what did he preach during those years of the Awakening? What did he preach during the Connecticut River Valley Revival in 34 and 35? Okay, so if you could go back, JT, real quick. And then go to research again, and then do browse, J-W-E, W-J-E online. And so these are the volumes. So right now there's, I think, 74 volumes of Edwards. So you'll, you'll never like run out of material. 
And so <laughs> it goes on and on and on. And so there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but if you look, um, there will actually be the second. Uh, volume two is Religious Affections. And this is that in print. Now, um, so thanks, JT. If you maybe just leave that up, I might have a, a whimsical thought that maybe you could uh, go to something if I need it. So for years, um, Jonathan Edwards' material was republished by the Banner of Truth, all right? And so uh, Charity and Its Fruits, Religious Affections, Revival, um, on and on. And, um, and then there's been, been some other publishers that have published Edwards' sermons, and all of that's great. The, the beauty of the Yale editions, and some of them are outrageously expensive, this not so much, is that it gives you tremendous historical background, and then there are footnotes that are done by Edwards scholars that will give you um, explanations as to why he says something or a word that he uses that is um, not very well known to us. And anyway, so I would... uh, I would highly recommend, I must have read Religious Affections in the Banner edition probably three or four times, and then I got this, and it was like reading it for the first time, um, just the way that it, was, uh, that it was done. So many people believe that Religious Affections is, is Edward's greatest work. Uh, in fact, one terrific Edwards scholar, Gerald McDermott, says, I would call it, religious affections, one of the most profound works on spiritual discernment in the history of the church. All right. So why does Edwards, by the way, they start out as sermons. So, but why does Edwards give this, uh, this treatise concerning religious affections? So you remember yesterday we said that in 1734 and 35, what happened is, is that there was a sort of a local revival in the Connecticut River Valley. And that first awakening during Edwards' ministry um, started by him preaching a series on justification by faith alone. And Edwards actually says that he, he believes, well, he says that 300 professed conversion within three months just in the church at Northampton. I mean, so that's, that's amazing. Um, they, the, the church at Northampton may have had, so by the way, this was in the days when everybody went to church, and if you didn't go to church, you might end up in the stocks the, the, the next, which I kind of like the idea. I don't know about you, but... Um, <laughs> But so, so Edwards could have upwards of, of 800 to 1,000, uh, sometimes even more hearers in the church. 300? Professing conversion. And so uh, during that time, it was an amazing, amazing period. But then a little later, so the dates, the dates vary just a little bit, but we're using 1740 to 42 as the Great Awakening. And it's during the Great Awakening that God uses Jonathan Edwards. He uses uh, George Whitfield. Uh, and, and there's, uh, by the way, there's all kinds of, of what we might just call like lesser lights in the Great Awakening. There was a, 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 a Dutch uh, brother, Freeling Heisen, who was up in New Jersey. I mean, there were guys that were preaching all over. You had the, you had the Tenet brothers that were preaching, and God was using these guys up and down. Basically, um, you know, the colonies were just the, the seaboard colonies at that point. And so, as the Great Awakening dies out, Edwards begins to notice that there's sort of an increase in worldliness and carnality in the church. So it was like they went and hit this, uh, this height during the Great Awakening, and then once it started to die out, it was as if worldliness and carnality, at least from Edwards' perspective, was, was higher than ever before. And sort of this uh, pendulum swing. And, and so, 
Edwards is very much aware of his um, ecclesiastical and social and cultural setting during this period of time. So during the, during the awakening, there were people that opposed the awakening. Um, in fact, they were called old lights. Old lights, okay? So if you ever go by like Old Light Baptist Church, keep driving, right? Okay? Um, so the old lights had a disdain for emotion and even the, the notion of revival. They were much more in favor of, in a sense, a, a, a rationalistic Christianity and an approach to the faith of pure reason. And so uh, Charles Chauncey was sort of the old light leader. But then you had the new light. See, see you know, labels are always you know, pretty definitive, right? They're not, they're not useless. The new light, those guys had a disdain for reason and were in favor of emotionalism and in fact would accentuate the physical phenomenon going on in the revival and point to that as the true marks of revival and then try to promote it. James Davenport was the, the, was the leader of the new light. Edwards is just frankly just too biblical. If you want to know about Edwards, um, here, here it is, is Edwards was a man who was absolutely committed to his Bible. He studied his Bible hours every day. That's no exaggeration. He was a Bible man through and through and he was too biblical and he was too careful of a thinker to in a sense be corralled into the old light or the new light. He was, he was too careful of a biblical thinker to juxtapose reason and emotion or emotion against reason. All right? So what Edwards does is he preaches this uh, series on religious affections from late 1742 into 1743 after the awakening. And his, whole, his goal is actually really simple, and that is he wants people to see what are the, the true signs of, of a work of the Spirit of God. That's what he wants to do. Now, if you're, if you're familiar with Puritan literature, you realize that, that oftentimes this was a common theme among Puritans, um, the distinguishing marks of true regeneration or things like that. So, uh, for instance, um, um, oh, his name, uh, Thomas Shepard writes the parable of the ten virgins. And, I mean, the book is that f thick. So the, the Puritans could take, like, one text and write on it for years. And so, um, so uh, Shepherd writes Parable of the Ten Virgins, and basically what it is is it's um, self-examination to see whether you're the five foolish virgins or the five wise virgins. And uh, the old Scottish um, preacher who was pretty... Uh, pretty witty, Rabbi Duncan, he was a Hebrew scholar, so we call him Rabbi Duncan, said that uh, he was reading along in Shepherd and thought, well, you know, I'm not doing too bad. And then I realized, oh, I'm still on the five foolish virgins. And so, um, so sometimes the, the, the Puritan writing was very searching. It was, it was designed to actually get you to examine yourself. Well, that's what Edwards is going to do in religious affections. In fact, he will, and this is one of the benefit of the, the footnotes, is that there will be times where he's drawing from Thomas Shepard's work or other works that are similar, and of course, those get footnoted for you. And so, another uh, Yale Edwards scholar, Paul Ramsey, says, part of the tragedy okay, is that neither extreme, okay, old light, new light, understood the genius of Edwards' transcending third position. 
So Edwards, Edwards writes stuff on revival. Of course, he wrote a faithful narrative of the surprising work of God. as published in 1737. That was on the 34-35 revival. He writes, distinguishing marks of a work of the Spirit of God. You remember, that's the Yale commencement address where they were hoping he would kind of dampen the revival at Yale. And instead, he preaches that in 1741. 1742, he gives some thoughts concerning the present revival of religion in New England. But it actually is religious affections that represents Edward's most mature thinking on revival. And so, um, let me just let me just read something to you. So th- this is again Paul Ramsey from the introduction. He says he says Edwards was convinced that if religion, okay. So let me just take a, a footnote here. When the old-timers talk about religion, they're not talking about religion like we usually talk about religion, okay? So, so for us, um, I think probably since, especially maybe since like the 1970s or so in America, the idea of religion has the connotations of deadness, right? Ritual. Uh, a, a, a form without substance, that kind of stuff, right? And so, um, so if you get converted, let's say, out of Roman Catholicism, you think of Catholicism as well, that was religion. It was dead. It was lifeless. The old timers, like Edwards, do not use religion like that, okay? They use religion in its most positive sense of actually what, the, what faith the faith looks like as it's lived out in a life of holiness, all right? So they have a positive view of religion. And so, Paul Ramsey again, Edwards was convinced that if religion consists in holy affections, the proclamation of that doctrine must be made in an affecting way. In one of his earlier writings, we find him criticizing a minister he had heard for his failure to adapt the form of his expression to the content of his message. Edwards saw incongruity and even contradiction in an attempt to communicate the truth about life in a lifeless way. When we must convey a sense of what we say, just because we say is of no account unless it grasps the sense of the hearer. An affecting style is needed. Edwards never lost sight of that principle in the affections. And so, what, the important thing to remember is that, is that Edwards really is giving a third alternative to the old light, new light, and, and here it is. And that is, yes, you have to preach truth. And yes, it has to be instructive. And yes, it has to be good content. But how in the world can you speak about the glories of Christ or the powers of the coming age or a sovereign God who is holy and who loves you? How in the world can you talk about those exalted themes in a dead way? So Edwards believed that the, the, the method of preaching needed to be Uh, The the truth needed to be presented in an affecting way. That is a way that moves the affections, all right? So both of those things for Edwards had to be true. And you said, well, I've heard that Edward just stood there and just read his sermon. And that's actually probably not true. He had tiny little notes that are almost indecipherable. They're, They're all at the Yale Center. Um, but Edwards actually did something in his preaching that moved the heart with truth, and that is he used vivid, gripping language. Okay. Now, I've got a few pastors in the room, so... Okay. So... Edwards would have agreed with this statement. It is a sin 
to bore people with the Bible. Okay? To sin to bore people with the Bible. Okay? You get up and you're talking about, you, you open up the scripture's most glorious book, and there's some just juicy stuff in religious affections. And so, in a sense, Edward sees theology as, as um, what we would say something like this, truth on fire. There has to be both light and heat. So the, the old light just liked light. The new light just liked heat. And Edward says, you got to have both, right? You have to have light and heat. And um, there was a, a day where um, I was in seminary and the chapel speaker came and he was... He was just as, as frothy and lathered up as a horse that was just about run into the ground. This guy worked himself up into a lather. And um, we're sitting there and none of us for, you know, for the life of us could actually follow a thing he was saying. And at one point, my buddy leans over to me and he says, all heat, no light. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, but yet, so that's not typically like the problems that we have in our circles. The problems we have in our circles is typically all light, no heat, okay? Edward says, that's not an option. That's not an option. And so what you have in religious affections is his analysis, but also the idea that, so, so analysis, argumentation, presentation of truth is, it exercises the mind, but it should be presented in a way that enlightens the mind, all right? So, let's take a look at, now, the, the, the content of religious affections might um, seem a little odd to some of you. I want to say that in a, in a context where so many churches believe in what could be called decisional regeneration. Okay? The idea that you just make a decision for Jesus and that's all there is to the beginning of the Christian faith. All right? In a context of decisional regeneration, Edwards makes no sense. Okay? And so, why? Well, because Edwards didn't believe in decisional regeneration. He believed that regeneration was a sovereign work of God. Okay. Now you have to understand the, the, the nuance, well it's not very nuanced, just the, 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 the distinction. If salvation, if regeneration is a sovereign work of the Spirit of God, then you're going to ask different questions about its authenticity you're going to want to know what does that work look like, right? If, if you relegate salvation or a conversion just to a person raising their hand or signing a card or just making a decision, then in a sense, at the end of the day, it just depends on man's so-called free will. Man's made a decision. That's all there is to it. John 3, 16, I, I read it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm saved forever, no matter what else happens. And there's no analysis of, was this a real work of God, so Edwards wants to get to the bottom of what are the distinguishing marks of a genuine work of God. So his text, one text for the whole book, 1 Peter 1.8, I'll quote it from the King James, which is, what, which is what Edwards would have used. Whom, have not, whom having not seen, ye love, speaking of Christ, in whom though you now see him not, Yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, right? So, though not having seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. You believe in him with joy and full of glory. Okay, that's Edward's text. And so here's the doctrine. So he expounds the text a little bit. Then he gives the doctrine. All right, so you ready? True Religion, in great part, consists in holy affections. Okay. Now that might strike you as strange. He doesn't say 
True religion consists in the proper use of the will. He doesn't say true religion consists in accurate understanding of the gospel. He says true religion primarily exists in holy affections. Now, you know, brothers, I don't know about you, but I think that's, that sounds threatening to the church today, right? So what would Edwards say? Edwards would say this, love and joy in Christ, love resting on a spiritual sight, joy is the fruit of that faith as spiritual tasting, right? Full of glory, filling the believer's mind and heart with the spiritual sight and sense of the beauty of Christ. So for Edwards, you have to understand the way he uses affections. Affections are the more vigorous and sensible, so sensible, not like reasonable, but sensible as in terms of sensation. Affections are the most, are more vigorous and sensible exercises of the inclination and will of the soul. Now, Edwards, Edwards is going to be using words oftentimes in ways that we're not, we're not accustomed. He, he, had, he had nuanced understanding of these things. So, for instance, soul for Edwards consists of both the understanding and the will. Okay? And for him, the will, by the way, is more than just your chooser. And so... The idea of the will is the inclinations of the soul. Your likes, your dislikes, your loves, your hates. And so when he uses affections, he's not just simply talking about emotions. He's for Edwards, there's an intellectual part uh, to the affections that is never, um, it's not heat without light. And so Edwards wouldn't have like parsed out um, uh, heart, mind, will, etc. Edwards would have seen all of these things working together. All right. So you have affections, which really are the movements and the inclinations of the soul. Okay. Now they are movements, so there's there is in fact an effect or if you will an emotional aspect but it's what the soul perceives and the affections should be moved to what the soul perceives right but then on the other hand there are passions okay for Edwards passions is not good so this is this is Edwards he said the affections or the, or the, I'm sorry this is me not Edwards the affections and passions are frequently spoken of as the same no, this is Edward, sorry. I should have been more clear. And yet, in the more common use of the speech, there is in some respect a difference. And affection is a word that in its ordinary signification seems to be something more extensive than passion. So, what are the new lights interested in? Passion, right? So, so affection is used for all of the vigorous lively actings of the will or inclination, but passion for those that are more sudden and whose effects on the animal spirits are more violent. So for Edwards, passion is, passion is considered to be, um, first of all, disconnected from the intellect, all right? So you fly into a rage, Okay, you fly into a rage, you get angry, throw something, yell at somebody that cuts you off. Edwards would say, that's not affections, that's passions, right? How much thought goes into that? Well, about zero, okay? And then on top of that, passions are what he would call animal spirits. Now, he doesn't mean like, oh, the spirit of golden retrievers or the spirit of horses or something like that. He means, in terms of animal spirits, he means the baser part of human nature, okay? So, on the one hand, affections are good, passions are frequently unhelpful. All right? Now, Edwards is going to say that 
passions, the, the, the mind is just overpowered and not in control when the passions are raging. So then he says, as all the exercises of the inclination and will are either approving or liking or disapproving and rejecting, so the affections are of two sorts. They are those by which the soul is carried out to what is in view, cleaving to it, seeking to seeking it, or those by which it is averse from and opposes it. So in other words, the affections are what you're drawn to, what you desire, what you are in a sense attracted to, or what repulses you. What actually causes you to, um, to be averse to something. All right? So affections are always working in us. Okay? So just a real simple illustration. Um, how many of you like ice cream? Okay. Okay. Um, is there any kind of ice cream that you just don't like? Okay, you don't like Rocky Road. Is there any kind of... I know, heretic. All right, is there, is there any kind of ice cream that you do like? Yeah, he's, he's moving away. <laughs> you said cookies and cream? Okay, so the, let me just show you how the affections work. There is, so Mickey has an, an aversion to Rocky Road but an inclination to, okay, cookies and cream. Now, he walks into, what kind of, what kind of ice cream shops do you have around here? So cloverleaf. Cloverleaf, okay. Is that an ice cream shop? Okay. Okay, so he walks in, he walks in, and so this is, this is obviously a homely illustration, but it makes the point. So he walks in, and he's about to make a choice, right? And let's say it's like 39 flavors, okay? And he's going to make, okay, you got that too. So he's going to make a choice. In other words, he's going to activate his will in choosing which ice cream he wants, all right? Let me just, let me ask you this. This is, this is a little more philosophical, but we're talking about ice cream, so I think we'll blend the two together. As he walks into the ice cream shop, is he completely neutral in the choice that he's about to make? Not at all. By the way, you and I are never neutral in the choices that we make. Okay? He's going to choose what he desires. He's going to loathe what he is averse to. Right? So the way that Edwards would see this working is that the soul cleaves to what the affections desire. Okay? Does this, does this make sense? All right. By the way, most, most evangelicals don't, don't actually see that connection. They don't think like this. And yet it is absolutely, absolutely true. All right. So for, for Edwards, affections would include things like fear, hope, hatred, desire, joy, sorrow, compassion, zeal. All of those things are affections in that they are movements to the soul. And so Edwards would say the affections actually give uh, expression to the basic orientation of our life. So affections can be good or bad, spiritual or non-spiritual. But when the new birth happens, a person that's been born again is never ever born again simply unto doctrinal knowledge. Okay? Rather, it is indeed truth, but Edwards would say, first of all, truth always has to be there. No truth, no, no conversion, no life. But the change that we call regeneration primarily exists in now holy affections. All right? 
Yeah, yeah. Just call me Brian for Pete's sakes. But can you explain regeneration on the level? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Regeneration. So <clears throat> you're, uh, you're dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 1. Dead is dead. Okay? Dead is not sick. Dead is not slightly impaired. Dead is not wounded. Dead is dead. All right? And so. What is regeneration? Regeneration is the impartation of spiritual life into a dead sinner. So dead is spiritually dead. So you are the walking dead before you come to Jesus. And then when the spirit of God comes, he makes us alive to Christ, right? So that we, and so this, this is, this is more, um, I think this is the biblical view, right? You don't, you don't actually just say, so when somebody says, um, so when did you choose to be born again? That's actually as inane of a question as when did you choose to be born? Okay. You didn't choose to be born. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose the place. If I would have chosen where I was born, it wouldn't have been Marysville, California. Okay. Now the spirit of God comes, brings life. Now what that life is, is it's sight. So in other words, you see Jesus in a way that you've never seen him before. Second Corinthians 4, 4. So the, 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 the God who said, let there be light is the God who has shown the light of the gospel into our hearts so that we see the face of, uh, of Christ in the glory of God. So you see, you maybe heard about Jesus your whole life. Regeneration happens. All of a sudden you see Jesus and he's totally different. He's beautiful, he's powerful, he's glorious, he's loving. So there's sight, but then there's also affection. And that affection chiefly is going to be joy. Okay? So a man finds a treasure buried in a field, and for joy, he goes and sells everything he has to buy the field. And so Edwards would, would I think, rightly, biblically say, regeneration, when it happens, first of all, it's a sovereign act of God, um, but when it happens, what God does is he now puts within us holy affections. That is, we have inclinations of the soul to God, to Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to the word, to the gospel, to the people of God in a way that we didn't have before. All right? Is that? Okay. Now, there's three parts to religious affections, and I got to do this quickly, which is going to be really hard. Part two, so that was part one, exposition of First Peter 1, 8, development of the doctrine, true religion consists primarily in holy affections. The next part, what Edwards is going to do is he's going to show, and the, this is his language, part two, showing what are no certain signs that religious affections are truly gracious or they are not. Okay? So, so part two is negative. What he's going to do with incredible precision is he's going to show there are, quote, religious affections that may not be genuine saving affection. All right? Now, it's this part that, that, is, that is really tough to go through. All right? Really tough. So, so Edwards goes through. Now, by the way, on any of these, you have to understand that they're all qualified with they're not certain signs of truly gracious affections. In other words, Edwards says these things can be present, but they're not certain signs one way or the other. Okay? <clears throat> Let me do these quickly, and some of them will deserve just a little bit of explanation. He says, and th this is kind of common, "'Tis no sign, one way or the other, that religious affections are very great or raised very high. They do greatly err who condemn persons as enthusiasts merely because their affections are very high. So Edward says, so a person that has like really raised affections um, or we could say um, is incredibly emotional. Edward says, that's not a sign either way. Okay, it's not a sign either way. Um, it could be. Okay, but not necessarily. 
That's how these 12 marks are going to go, all right? Um, Tis no sign that affections have the true nature of religion or that they have not, that they have great effects on the body. So in other words, um, so like Sharon fell over earlier today, that wasn't a sign that the Spirit of God fell on her at all, right? Um, (laughs) <laughs> just, just a sign that her foot got hung up on the chair, right? There was nothing that was spiritual about it. So Ed, what Edwards is saying is, okay, in the awakening, there are, there are physical phenomena that, that are happening. And Edwards is really clear to say the presence of those physical phenomena actually do not indicate one way or the other whether genuine uh, godly affections are at work. Okay? By the way, we live in a time where so-called revival almost revolves completely around certain physical phenomenon. For instance, back in the 90s, laughing. Okay? Okay? The laughing revival, the Toronto blessing. Um, and Edwards would say, um, okay, well, is it possible that when you encounter the living God and the Spirit of God does something to you that you might start laughing? He'd say, well, sure, but laughing doesn't prove anything. Nothing, okay? So this is the way that these, that these distinguishing marks negatively put go. He says, "'Tis no sign that affections are truly gracious affections or that they are not, that they cause those who have them to be fluent, fervent, and abundant in talking about the things of religion." <laughs> In other words, just because, you remember Christian uh, or Pilgrim's Progress? You remember talkative? Okay, so, so Edwards is like, just because somebody now starts to get really fluent and starts to talk a lot about religion and starts to talk about Christianity and starts to talk about these things a lot and there's an abundance of words, Edwards says, that doesn't show you one way or the other whether a person's been genuinely converted. Okay. Some of these make a lot of sense to us, don't they? Tis no sign that affections are gracious or that they are otherwise that persons did not make them themselves or excite them of their own contrivance and by their own strength. In other words, Edwards is saying, so genuine religious affection um, is not automatically authenticated because you don't know where it came from. So sometimes people will, will put a lot of stock in well, you know what? Uh, all of a sudden, I just started having uh, an intense interest in the things of God, and and um, and I felt really excited about religion and going to church and so forth. Edwards is, will say, well, one way or the other, that doesn't prove anything. Okay. Number five, tis no sign that religious affections are true and holy and spiritual, or they are not, that they come with texts of scripture remarkably brought to the mind. In other words, Edwards is saying, so just because you start like quoting scripture, (laughs) and just because scripture more easily comes to mind, that's not a sign, one way or the other. It might be, but it might not be. All right. But by the way, you see the, 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 the conviction that this can bring, right? Tis no evidence that religious affections are saving or that they are otherwise, that there's an appearance of love in them. And so the person's like, oh, I just love God. I just love everybody. I love everybody, right? Edward says, okay, well, <laughs> that might be good, but it might also be absolutely nothing, okay? Oh, boy. <clears throat> Persons having religious affections of many kinds accompanying one another is not sufficient to determine whether they have any gracious affections or not. And Edward says, just because you have a spectrum of affections. One minute you're crying. The other minute you're laughing. The next minute you're singing. The next minute you're on your face. Edward says, that doesn't prove anything either. Nothing, he says, can be determined concerning the nature of the affection uh, by this. That comforts or joys seem to follow awakenings and convictions of conscience in a certain order. Now this, this one, this one is, is, is sort of an a interesting one. Edward says, just because you come to a sense of peace... That does not necessarily demonstrate religious affections. Okay. Now, think about the, the, you know, 
loads and loads of testimony that you know, all, all of a sudden I just felt peace, right? That might be great. Edward says, but it might not. I felt all this conviction, then I felt comfort. Okay? See, this one stung me because as a 13-year-old, I was under deep conviction for my sin. I mean, you, you, I, was, I was born feeling guilty because I was born Catholic. If you were born Catholic, probably or Lutheran, I guess, you're just born feeling guilty. And th- when the Lord started working on my conscience, when I, when I came to that sense of peace... It was absolutely marvelous. It was invaluable. But I will tell you this. Edwards would have said, now, that might be good, but not necessarily. Okay. So, he makes some other points. Um, let me just do these uh, a little faster. Uh, Tis no certain sign that religious affections which persons have are such uh, as have in them the nature of true religion or that they have not, that they dispose persons to spend much time in religion and be zealously engaged in the external duties of worship. In other words, all of a sudden, just because a person says, you know what, I love coming to church now. I don't know what's going on. And they're always there. Edward says, ah, you know, my, maybe, maybe not. Nothing can be certainly known of the nature of religious affections by this, that they much dispose persons with their mouths to praise and glorify God. Wow. Some of these are, are pretty searching. We had a guy in our church years ago. We, he ended up being excommunicated. He was, he was a duplicitous, hypocritical guy. He was an alcoholic. And uh, we sent him down to uh, this ranch down in the San Diego area that was run by a guy um, that was sort of just like this no-nonsense. So you start the day with Bible study, you start the day with biblical counseling, and then you work the rest of the day. And so this guy walks in, and the guy from, the, from our church is there, and he's supposed to be painting a room, and he's just painting, right? About like this, you know, tortuga, okay, tortoise. And the director comes in, and the guy, as he's doing this, is singing, I love you, Lord. The guy walks in, he says, he says shut up. <laughs> and he looks, this guy from our church looks, and he says, you can't tell me I can't praise God. And he says, right now, you're supposed to be praising God by working hard. Yes. Okay. So just because you got a little song in your heart, Edwards would say, just because you kind of like really like, you like the music, you like to sing, not necessarily a sign that you're truly glorifying God out of religious affection. Um, Tis no sign that affections are right or that they are wrong, that they make persons that have them exceeding confident that what they experience is divine and am in a good state. In other words, Edwards is saying, just because you say, I know that I know that I know, doesn't mean that you know. Finally, Nothing can be certainly concluded concerning the nature of religious affections that any of the subjects of, from this, that the outward manifestations of them, and you understand Edwards is a little hard to read, and the relations, relation persons give to them are very affecting and pleasing to the truly godly, such as greatly gain their charity and win their hearts. What Edwards is saying here is, just because somebody looks at you and says, oh wow, I, I can't believe the change in your life. Edward says, just because the godly may recognize something in you, that also is not necessarily indicative of true affections. Okay? So, what do you think the first, these first 12 marks, can you imagine sitting under this? My goodness. So, what do you think these 12 marks are, are designed to do? They're designed to make the people that have come out of the great awakening to stop and ask themselves, have I been truly converted? Now, he does have 13 distinguishing signs of truly gracious and holy affections. And I would be absolutely cruel if I only gave you the negatives. All right? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, let's just close in prayer. <laughs> so, 
Affections that are truly spiritual and gracious do arise from those influences and operations of the heart which are spiritual, supernatural, and divine. So that's his premise. Okay? So real, true, gracious affections, affections that are changed by grace, are sourced in nothing other than the supernatural, divine grace of God. Okay? So that's his starting point. Now he's going to go on and he says, the first objective ground of gracious affections is the transcendentally excellent and amiable nature of divine things as they are in themselves and not only conceived relation that they bear to self or self-interest. So this is, for Edwards, this is incredibly important. So the hypocrite may be drawn to religion for, for reasons of personal interest and benefit. Oh, I feel so much better. I think my sins are forgiven. Or, oh, I feel so much better. Uh, God loves me. Edward says, so real affections actually love God for who God is, not simply what God does for you. Okay, do you see that? Do you see that? So is it easy to actually love the gifts? This is what Edwards is saying in, in, in down-to-earth language. It's easy to love the gifts without loving the giver for the sake of the giver. Boy, could you imagine? By the way, that would kill the prosperity movement like, like that. He says, those affections that are truly holy are primarily founded on the loveliness of the moral excellency of divine things, or to express it otherwise, to love divine things for the beauty and sweetness of their moral excellency, and that is the beginning and the spring of all holy affections. And so what Edwards is saying here, it's a little different than what he just said. So, so religious or, or gracious affections um, love the objects of religion, God, Christ, the gospel, for who they are, what they are. Here he's saying the real, true religious affections delight in the sweetness of those objects. In other words, religious affections see God as excellent and beautiful. You start reading Edwards, his, he uses the word beautiful all the time because beauty is an aesthetic quality that actually is, is, uh, is something that connects with the affections, okay? Uh, beauty, by the way, is not just a logical thing, right? It's an affectional thing. And so Edward says, so true affections actually see a sweetness and a beauty in God and in Christ and in the gospel and in the word of God. He says, gracious affections do arise from the mind being enlightened rightly and spiritually to understand divine things. So it's not just affection, it's actually understanding. Okay? So now Edwards, so what is he doing? He's actually pushing hard against the new light. Okay? You have to have understanding. Your mind has to apprehend. And in fact, religious affections arise from the mind being enlightened. So this is, this is why what we sing is so important. Okay? So why not just open our hymnal and just read? A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark. Never failing. And just read it in unison. Why sing it? Why is God ordained singing? Singing, Edwards will say also, is designed to do what? To move the affections. But what, is the effect, what are the affections primarily moved with? The truth being sung, being put to music. Okay. And so Edwards would, Edwards would say that um, you don't just sing um, hallelujah 36 times until you feel swoony, okay? You sing truth. It's actually truth that stirs the soul. It's truth that moves the affections, okay? So there should be something in, in, in the child of God that just is like, when, when is my heart moved, right? You ever sing, uh, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, right? So sort of, it's in a, like a minor key and, 
And, um, but you sing it and it's the truth that you're singing that moves the heart, right? So he goes on and uh, I'll, I'll speed it up here a little bit. I know I keep saying that and you're like, well, what your speed is is not my speed. Okay. <laughs> Truly gracious affections are attended with a reasonable and spiritual conviction of the judgment and of the reality and certainty of divine things. Edward says, when, when, when you really have your eyes open, you're convinced of future judgment. Okay. What's amazing to me is that the old timers preached on the judgment to come just as sure as the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Okay. It was a reality. Edward says, one of the things about religious affections, my goodness, you end up being absolutely convinced. It's indisputable. Judgment is coming. Now, part of that's going to be, and I'm safe. I'm safe. Okay. He goes on, he talks about that quite a bit. And um, he says, gracious affections are attended with evangelical humiliation. So he says, evangelical humiliation is a sense that a Christian has of his own utter insufficiency, despicableness, and odiousness with an answerable frame of heart. So in other words, real religious affections never actually puff a person up. They bring about what he calls evangelical humiliation. Evangelical, gospel-empowered humiliation, a state of humility before God because I'm aware of my own sin. Mm. True religious affection is an expression of my own unworthiness. And not just my unworthiness. The fact that God could rightfully damn me forever and be perfectly just in doing it. Okay. So real religious affection never says, you know what, I, I guess I'm so, <laughs> I'm so special, my picture's on God's refrigerator. Does God, does God love us? And the answer is, of course. But he loves us because he loves us. He doesn't love us because we're lovely. And religious affections actually begin to rise up so that there's an evangelical humiliation. I realize that there's nothing good in me. Okay. And by the way, if you've never come to that realization, you have to stop and think, do I actually know the power of, of the cross? Do I know what the gospel's about? Okay. Edwards goes on, he says... Um, Another thing wherein gracious affections are distinguished from others is that they're attended with a, and this is a big one, a change of nature. Change of nature. Here we go. A change of nature. Now, he's going to outline for us some of those things. Truly gracious affections differ from those affections that are false and delusive in that they tend to and are attended with the lamb-like, dove-like spirit and temper of Jesus Christ, or in other words, they naturally beget and promote such a spirit of love, meekness, quietness, forgiveness, and mercy as appeared in Christ. This is part of the change of nature. Now all of a sudden, that person that I've held a grudge against for all of these years, the gospel's done something for me in such a way that that grudge is no longer nursed. And I want to be reconciled. Um... Edwards would say that gracious affections are demonstrated in um, a new willingness to forgive. Mm. By the way, that's frankly just biblical. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, right? Edwards says there's no way to actually taste and, and see that the Lord is good, experience the forgiveness of your sins, and not have a change of nature that then manifests itself this way, <laughs> right? So I do these short videos for uh, pastors for um, the Far East. I won't tell you what country because it's not legal. And they're like little pastoral things of what have you learned over the years? And this one is so important because it captures one of the things that I feel like I've learned over the years. 
And that is the primary emphasis on a New Testament ethic. Okay? Primary emphasis on what the New Testament says, how we ought to live, focuses primarily, above everything else, on how we treat each other. In other words, there's an assumption in the New Testament that you can't be vertically right with God without it manifesting itself horizontally. You look at the deeds of the flesh and notice how many of them are horizontal. Then you look at the fruit of the Spirit, see how many of them are horizontal. Almost all of the virtue lists or grace lists that we have in the New Testament are all how we treat each other. And by the way, that's not leaving God out of the equation. That's putting God right at the center of the equation. And so Edward says, you know, all of a sudden there's, there's a sense of, of humility. There is a sense of, um, of, of love and meekness. And you're, you're enamored with the love of Christ. Gracious affections also soften the heart and are attended with and followed with a Christian tenderness of spirit. Okay. So in other words, true religious affections manifest themselves from taking somebody that is harsh, surly, Okay. and makes them more gentle. Now, of course, when God saves us, we're somewhere on the spectrum, right? Okay? It's not as if now all of a sudden, you know, you got this harsh, surly guy. And I told you last night about the, the rodeo guy that was a terrible husband, right? You remember that? And um, he didn't go from being this really bad, harsh, um, abusive guy to then being just like the Lord Jesus. Okay? But he did go from being harsh and surly and abusive to being much more tender to his wife. Does he have ways to go? And the answer is, well, of course. But Edwards isn't saying that it's, it's perfection. He's saying it's a change of nature. That's the thing. It's a change of nature. It's not just an act of the will. It is a change of nature. Being a Christian is a supernatural act of God's grace by his spirit. So, um, he's going to talk about true religious affections differ from the false in that there's beautiful symmetry and proportion. (laughs) You go, well, what in the world is that? So, for Edwards, what he's basically saying there is um, true religious affections are not disproportionate and asymmetrical. In other words, it's not just like you go from being a person um, who is now just joy, 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 joy. You're going to see, you're going to see the gambit of of affections. There's going to be joy. There's going to be the fear of the Lord. There's going to be mourning. There's going to be compassion. I mean, there's going to be zeal. There's going to be right. So, in other words, what Edwards is saying is there's a beautiful symmetry. And of course, he sees that because in Jesus, you have the perfect, beautiful symmetry and proportion. And so now in us, it's like, so a person that, um, and again, you're on the spectrum. So if, um, you know, let's say, uh, do you have a lot of Dutch people here? Okay, so this will work just fine. So let's say, let's say you got a Dutch person. And... I don't know about you, the Dutch people I know are not like joy, 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 all right? They're a little more stoic, okay? We've got some Dutch people in our church. I make fun of them all the time. I'm teasing, just teasing. But you, you, so you have a person, and let's say that by, by nature, temperament, upbringing, maybe even ethnicity has a little bit something to do with it. They're not expressive people, and maybe, um, maybe they really never are very joyful. So true religious affections in that person may look very different. Okay, let's, let's take joy, for instance. The joy that in that person may look different than, let's say, the joy um, in my wife. She's Dominican, okay? And Dominicans are, um, are high-strung. They are wound tight. They are also gregarious and happy and, right? And so joy in her, joy in the Lord in her, is going to look different than joy in the Lord in, uh, in Mr. Bogman in our church, okay? Edwards isn't, isn't worried about a uniform expression of emotion or a uniform expression of affection. 
What he's actually interested in is that it's the change of nature and you now begin to experience the full spectrum of what it means to actually have a new nature. One last one. Gracious. Oh, I'm sorry, too. Another great and very distinguishing difference between gracious affections and others is that gracious affections, the higher they're raised, the more is a spiritual appetite and longing of soul after spiritual attainments increase. On the contrary, false affections rest satisfied in themselves. So in other words, what Edwards is saying is raised affections are really good, but raised affections never become content in being raised affections, okay? It's, it's like, um, you've heard the expression, um, you know, talking about like, let's say, uh, worship in, in music and song, and you've heard the expression that people can actually worship their worship. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, you're you're so you're so enamored with the the music and the singing and 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 all of that that you that you love that instead of what that's doing. Okay, so what Edwards is saying here is, yes, raised affections are good. You should have your affections for Christ raised as high as possible. But here's the thing. The real mark in raised affections is that it increases your spiritual appetite so that you want more. It never actually says, I'm pretty satisfied. And does that have anything to do with our theme this week with revival? Very much, okay? Uh, Very much. One last one, Edward says, gracious and holy affections have their exercise and fruit in Christian practice. So change of nature and now change of life, all right? So that's uh, religious affections in a nutshell. Let me just say the value of reading religious affections is that first of all, it shows the biblical role of the affections in the new birth, okay? This is not a shameless plug, but probably almost. I've tried to do this in a book that I wrote in 2009 called Feelings and Faith, Cultivating Godly Emotions in the Christian Life, okay? What Edwards does for us is he, he brings us back to that third position. So do you have... Old light and new light today. Well, yeah, but they're not called that. Right? Do you have... So, so people that love doctrine, love theology, a lot of times they can fall off the side of the horse of, of reason and rationality and just cerebral Christianity. And then, is there any uh, like empty emotionalism today? All over the place. What Edwards does is he says, you don't go down either of those roads. Neither of those roads are options. Understand the role of genuine affection in the Christian life. All right? The second thing is Edwards gives us in these these, um, uh, not certain signs and then more certain signs gives us an instrument by which we can avoid being hypocrites, resting in things that are building a skyscraper on a chicken coop foundation, okay? And gives us, in a sense, fuel to grow in holy affections for Jesus.